The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Welcome back, everybody, to another Sell Better episode. On today's show, we are going to be showing you all how to hook any prospect with the right style of messaging. You've been wondering this, how can you get their attention? You've been sending emails, they're just not hitting. We're going to show you the exact framework we use to make sure that they get your attendant. We will get their attention. Okay. So Mike, what is one thing you're really excited to speak on today? Uh, the difference, how adding value actually works. <laughs> okay. Yeah. A lot of people, I uh, think could use some clarity on that. And as always, we love to know where are you guys tuning in from? Go ahead and throw it in the chat. I'd love to see it. Jim from Miami. Welcome. Kirsten from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Welcome again, Kirsten. It's great to see you here. Uh, Andrew from Portland. Mike, <laughs> you're in Ohio, man. Yeah, let's do it. Very it's cool. Snowing here. Got some Boston, Long Island. Great. Now, everybody, make sure to switch your chat to everyone. Chris is feeling the Dallas Cowboys loss. It's okay, Chris. Oh, <laughs> There's oh. some in solidarity with you there. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everybody. It's great to have you all here. Make sure your chat is set to everyone so that way we can see what you write. Now, today's speaker, we have a very special guest. We have Mike Wander from Lavender. He's a growth account executive and a sales extraordinaire. Thank you for joining us, Mike. Hey, of course. Now, before we do get started, I do want to mention because we always like to have the drop of the day. It's going to be on Thursday. We're going to be showing you all how to book two times more meetings using video prospecting. I'm going to go ahead and drop the link in the chat. Be sure to sign up. We're going to give you a full breakdown of video and how to use it effectively. So check that out, sign up and join us this Thursday. So what are we going to be talking about? I'm going to show you guys in just a second. But before we do, I want to know who is in the room. Do we have SDRs, AEs, frontline managers, maybe some senior leadership? If you guys tell us, I can ask the right questions. So be sure to fill this out. If it's SDRs, I'm going to ask SDR questions. Is it managers? Manager questions. So be sure to fill that out for me. It helps a ton with the conversation. So today we're going to be showing you guys the can't miss hooks that you need to have in your emails, what value you need to communicate, and how you can do that effectively. And lastly, the top CTAs that you can use that really sum up that email and grab the attention and make them want to reply. So I'm seeing here that already we got a pretty even split between SDRs and AEs. Mike, does that surprise you at all? Um, a little, a little okay. bit. Um, I think, I think those are the ones that you'd expect to come, right? It's, yep. it's about messaging. <laughs> uh, but man, it's, it shocks me every time leadership doesn't take the, the front step on making sure they're their teams are, you know, being organized. I will say though, it looks like we have about a 12 to 13% of leadership of frontline managers here. So some good leaders right there. Yeah, definitely yeah. some great leaders. It's exactly. great to have you guys here. So thank you for joining us. So let's get right into it. You got to have a good hook if you want your email to succeed. You told me something that I thought was super interesting, and that's utilizing antagonist lines. What is that, and how can the audience use it effectively? 
Yeah. So uh, for me, right, we do we do sales emails at, at Lavender, right? We fix email problems. And so if somebody was to give me an antagonist line, it's kind of like poking a hole in the first thing that they do, which forces them to open up the email, right? Because you're like, oh, did this person really just say that to me? What do they have to say? And they click open. Um, and so like, if you were to email me, it could be something like, you know, sales emails suck. <laughs> Okay, I'm probably gonna, I'm gonna open that, right? Like, I'm gonna open that because I want to know one, can I fix this person's problem, or two, what is their problem, uh, right? And so, the thing with antagonist lines is you're not trying to be like demeaning. You're not telling them that they're bad at their job, right? That's why the second line is so important of like giving them a hero moment. So when you're using antagonist line, it's extremely valuable. But the thing that makes it the most valuable is your rest of the email is giving them the opportunity to be a hero for their team. So like if you were telling me, you know, sales emails suck and you're trying to sell me lavender, it's like, but it doesn't have to be thanks to lavender, right? So there you go, right? I, I know now it's not a personal attack. It's not anything like that, but now I'm interested. I'm very interested because you're right. They do suck. And huh, maybe you can fix my problem. And then you go into the next lines, right? It's all about, you know, how, how does Lavender make it not suck? And then you throw in a CTA or for sell better, right? It's like sales teams are unorganized, right? Very unorganized. So how can you get better? Well, you can only get better if you're selling better. And this is how JB sales helps. I like that really easy flow. Now for that antagonist line, is that something you would include in your subject line or in your one-liner that is like the preview? The, the preview text. Yeah. The preview text. Yeah. Um, subject lines, I'm going to always keep them, you know, anywhere between two to four, two to four words with three words, probably being your, your prime opportunity there is what the data says. Okay. Now I would love to hear from our audience. What is your go-to first line? Do you like using something of value? Do you like using something that is just like antagonistic? Go ahead and let me know in the chat. Would love to see it. Maybe we could break some of them down. So how about below and above the power line? Does it matter the type of, of like hook that you'll be using in the email? Can you tell me more? Yeah, it, it does. So the way that your, your prospecting works, if you want to do like effective ABM prospecting, mm -hmm. is you want to always you always want to go top down. So I'm gonna email, you know, the CRO, probably the CEO, I'm gonna email the CRO, I'm gonna email the VP of sales. And then I'm going to email, if I can find it, their top performing AE or someone that's below the line. And so how I email them is going to be different. So when I'm emailing the below the line person, I'm trying to get interest. I'm trying to get a little bit more information. I'm trying to show them that I can provide value to them. I'm not asking for a meeting. I'm not doing any of that stuff. I'm mainly showing like, hey, I'm in contact with your leadership, right? <laughs> I'm talking to your leadership. You've had a lot of success. Would it be useful if the team around you was having the same success? Mm. Right. And then when you're talking to the leadership team, it's like, you know, X, I, I've talked to the, the CRO, right. And they're strategically focused. And it seems like the goal is to hit, you know, hundred million ARR this year. You guys are at 90 million messaging being changed is probably something you're asked to do, or you're asking to bump up activity metrics. That's not always the case that needs to be, you know, that needs to happen. How would it feel, you know, how would it be if you could be personalized and relevant and have the data to show it works? And so I'm kind of give everybody that I talk to the tools to succeed or to look good with their boss. Mm -hmm. So 
Or if you're talking to like the CEO, you know, making your team more effective. How can I make your team more effective? How can I make, you know, your team hit their goals? How can I help all of your team do things? Because what happens often than not is like the perception of your prospect is, you know, they just want to be the best thing since sliced bread and they only care about themselves. And, you know, how can I solve this one person's problem? But more often than not, the people at the top of the food chain, so CEOs, you know, I don't know, CROs, VPs of sales, they like to be tactical, but they have to spend so much of their time strategically focused. Right. And so if you can give them the opportunity to know what's going on at the tactical level, so like with the bot below the line people, they'll be more than often, you know, open to talking to you because mm-hmm. they want to know what's going on. They want to know what makes their team successful, right? They want to know their pains. So how about when it comes to content, right? Because I'm seeing here, Stephen likes to use a personalized statement mentioned yep. in the chat. Can you use content to create a personalized statement? And would that be considered a hook? Yeah, it would be. Um, I would think like, say, Stephen talks a lot about personalized messaging, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you could say, and yeah, right. It goes into using creator content. It's like, um, you know, personalized messages work more like work, work better than anything comma steven right like um it's like you're you're trying to highlight the fact when you're talking about a personalized statement you're just trying to take the most obvious thing that they have either said or they have recently done that would catch their eye Mm. now if you find a press release and this is where i see a lot of mistakes if you find a press release from three months ago and you're trying to email a quote inside that press release to a vp they're probably not going to remember where the hell that quote was from. Even if you tell them, they may not even have said it, right? It may have been some communications person that wrote it for them. Mm. And so just instead of, I see quotes all the time. I would say instead of quoting it, find the actual business problems and the business case, their goals that they talked about and highlight the goals, right? Mm. Like getting to hundred million ARR isn't going to be easy. Go into your next line. That could be one that you use for seamless, right? If somebody is targeting seamless out there, Brandon Bornanson, their CEO, what do you say? He wants hundred million ARR. So what's he doing? He's hiring hundred to 150 SDRs. Wow. Well, what can you do? If <laughs> you can go and explain to him that that's, it, it's still not going to be easy. You can hire hundred to 150 people, but odds are not all of them are going to hit their quota. Not all of them are going to make it. You're going to spend all these costs on training them, right? So how can you help him actually achieve that goal? Love now, that. I'm not going to take a quote from that article. I'm going to take the 100 million ARR goal because that's at the forefront of his mind. I see. Now, I know that you've got some examples here for us, and I think this would be a really good tactical moment to break down and show our audience how they can incorporate a similar strategy. Yeah, for sure. So in this case, I'm emailing a company called Modern Treasury. Uh, this is back when I worked at Saster. Mm-hmm. And so I'm selling kind of sponsorships just for context. And so what I did here was I did modern business payments as their subject line, right? You can see it got two opens. Um, this actually did get a reply. Um, and so what I did with the modern business payments and the reason why is because that's their bread and butter. That's what they do. They do business payments. And so I use an antagonist line by saying, you know, modern business payments suck, Julie. <laughs> and so she opened it, obviously. Um, and the second line I said was like, that's the things that our community is saying. Highlighted the size of our community. So it doesn't sound like I'm talking too much like a like a me or a we. Mm. I'm talking, you know, more about an opportunity here. 
And so now she's intrigued. I use the and comma to kind of keep her on to the next line. And then I say, you know, we don't like to hear them suffer, aka you can be their hero. I've highlighted some of the competition that's already there. However, there's already still like there's still a gap. So you can come in, not only be the hero, you can also showcase why you're better than your competitors. So from branding on media assets to in-person events, is it worth you being the hero for our community? Like that's how the prospect reads this. Wow. Guys, if you have a moment, screenshot this. Just copy this. Yeah, it's like it's basically laid out like a framework because you can lay out that antagonistic line, show how they can be the hero of this story, and then seek for interest, which I think is so powerful there. Uh, So I know you have another example for us. Uh, Can you tell me more about this one? Yeah, for sure. So this one's a cybersecurity company. Um, Anybody who sells IT people, anybody who does anything related to cybersecurity, one thing that you're going to say is, this is a mess. (laughs) Of course it is, right? It's hard to get everybody on the same page. It's hard to do all of that. And so this company's, this cybersecurity company, what they do is they basically take all of your data, they make it super easy to, you know, to look at and perceived. And they basically, you know, can get everybody on the same page. Mm -hmm. Um, So they take all those pieces that are out there and they put it together. And so again, I highlighted, you know, (laughs) cybersecurity data is a mess, which of course it is. Um, And then I put, but, comma, because he already knew that. So I kind of use like this obvious statement. And so now I'm putting, but to keep him still interested, mm-hmm. you know, thanks to their company, it doesn't have to be. Uh, I highlight the problem that he can solve for our community, what size it looks like. Highlight the fact that it's a hot topic at the event. So he knows, okay, this makes sense why you're reaching out for this event. Um, and then showcasing that he can be front and center to the entire community. And then I he they just had a, a round raised and they just met their team in Kansas City. And so I put in a picture of all of them in Kansas City and just threw in a nice personalized PS. Uh, this did get a reply and he became a customer about two and a half weeks later. Wow. I love how you broke that down. And I noticed that you li- like to put the but comma to keep that sentence going. Do you find yep. that strategy works? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll give you guys the secrets. <laughs> um, so... All right. This kind of goes into the psychology of email. What the fundamental misinterpretation of, hey, Kevin, yeah, I know you do. The fundamental misinterpretation of email is that you're getting a open and a reply. Mm -hmm. Don't think like that. That's how the 99.9% think. Mm -hmm. The fundamental that you should worry about is getting an open and then having them read it. When your prospect reads your email, the odds that you get a reply is exponentially increased. Because how many sales emails have you read in full, Adrian? Very little. Exactly. And the ones that you do read in full, how many do you reply to? I end up replying to them because I'm exactly intrigued. quite a bit, right? <laughs> Why the hell did I read this email? Well, maybe I should respond. <laughs> right. And so what you can do is you can pull psychological triggers to force them to keep reading. And so what that means is when I say but. It is against the human brain to not finish the next sentence, right? This person had to wire their brain to go against all things that we know since we were able to read to not continue reading the sentence. So if I write a dull sentence or if I'm writing a sentence about me, I'm trying to get them to the next line, right? And so it's just about forcing their brain to finish that email. I love that. It's like a cliffhanger on when you're watching a movie or a show, they leave you on something that makes me want to watch the next one. So this makes a lot of sense. So I like how you broke that down. 
And you want to have look the, at Monica. Monica put in a, she put in a good example there. She closed out her butt email, went back later because she just couldn't stand it. <laughs> it hooks you. It really does. So guys, incorporate that into your process. You will probably see tremendous success. So let's talk about value, right? I think this is always a hot topic. How can you communicate that effectively? Is it is there a way to just do it right away? There is. Um, and the way to do it right away is like what we were talking about before. You know, if you know that there's a problem in their business mm-hmm. and you actually have a way to solve for that. Highlight the problem, highlight the cost of inaction, highlight, you know, one sentence, give yourself one sentence of real estate on that email, how you can solve that problem with X and Y. Even if you have 15 things you do, I was talking to a rep from Snowflake the other day, man, Snowflake, we do it all. Of course you do. You're Snowflake, right? You're a great company. Well, I just can't get I can't get my emails down below 150 words. It's like, well, then you just don't know your 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 competitor, you know, your uh, your prospects' pains. Hmm. Uh, well, of course you don't, right? <laughs> you have to pick one or two things, right? Their top pain or their second pain. You have to just trust your instinct. What do they talk about the most? Highlight how you can solve for that pain in your first email. If they have four pains and you can solve for all four of them, why are you not adding with fa- your your value in your follow ups? That's one of the biggest places that sellers suck at. You win in their follow-ups. Your first email might not get hit, but if you hit with the second email and it's the same pace, it's personalized, it's relevant, and you're adding value, you're probably going to win. Now, what are your average reply rates looking like? Yeah. So when I was at Sastra, I had a 76% individual reply rate and 95% account-based reply rate. Um, I have sent 63 emails since I've been at Lavender for 20 days. Um, and I've booked 54 meetings. Wow. That is a really high so, <laughs> reply rate. Let's break that down real quick because the average reply rate reply rate is like zero 5%. to three. It's, <laughs> it's zero to three percent industry norm, five percent on a good day. The now I'll give you some context here. I've been in sales for less than a full year. Mm. Uh, I've been in, so I decided I was in sales for nine months at Saster and then I switched over to Lavender. And what made me kind of into the salesperson that I am today was learning from my peers through osmosis, asking questions, not being afraid to ask them. And then also becoming a good copywriter. I was a really good writer and I'm good at telling stories. And I knew that. So how could I leverage that in what I did every day? Hmm. And I wrote myself a framework that talks about, you know, from a short story. And I shared that on LinkedIn the other day. And that's how I view my emails. I view my emails as a short story. If they're over five words, they're too long. That's a chapter. I might as well delete it, right? Mm-hmm. It's the chapter of a book nobody wants to read. So right. I want to give them the short story that they buy and they they read to their kids every night, right? And so um, that's kind of how I viewed it. And I had never wrote a sales email before I joined Saster. I went from the military where it's all formal grammar. Everything's formal, right? You don't make incomplete sentences, things like that to, and like all the data matters to short, sweet, to the point, use, you know, all these crazy tactics and tricks to get somebody to reply. And I was sending about 25 emails a day to book 25 to 30 C-suite meetings a month for my first month at Saster. Mm -hmm. And then by my third month at Saster, I was only sending 10 emails a day. Now about five months Five months in there at Saster and now at Lavender all the way through. I just send what kind of whatever I feel. So um, 
you know, if I want to send 10 emails for the day, I can send 10 emails. Um, but I always consistent, consistently hold myself to 25 to 30 decision maker meetings a month. Hmm. So even if I'm getting 20 meetings from inbound, I'm still going to build my own pipeline. I'll take all the inbound as extra credit, but I still want to build for myself. So let's talk about, because this reply rate is pretty high. And I actually want to hear from our audience. What does your reply, reply rate look like? Is it between zero to three, four to seven, eight to 10? Maybe you're just batting like Mike out here and you're doing like 10% plus, maybe in the seventies. Let us know. I would love to hear from you all. Fill this out. We could break it down for you all. How about LinkedIn, Mike? Is that a channel that you can just provide value right away or do you got to kind of build? No, you got to build it. Um, connect with them, right? If they're, uh, it's hard. Some people say, you know, send me a message. Some people don't shoot your shot. I don't know. Pick a way that you want to do it and do it that way. But I can tell you right now, there's people that are in this, this webinar right now that I've met and we've talked to and we've, you know, you know, hang out on LinkedIn or maybe I've seen them on Zoom before. I saw Matt was in here earlier, right? Like, great team over at Staffing Engine. Um, the, the thing about it with LinkedIn is you have to consistently show up where they're at. And so one of the ways that you can do that is, you know, commenting on their post, liking their, liking their post, you know, doing that for probably a week or so, visit their page every other day, right? Like actually click on their page, search for them, interact around their page so that they get the notification, Mike Wonder has visited your page, right? Mm-hmm show them those subtle hints that you're paying attention. And then when you add, you know, when you add them on LinkedIn or when you're talking to them or you're going to shoot your message, don't ask for a meeting, just ask for a general conversation, start a conversation with the person. When you start that conversation, the natural ebb and flow of it, you'll be able to read the room. I'm glad you brought up just start the conversation because this leads us perfectly into our next topic, which is the call to action. You want to have a good call to action, right? If yeah. I think a lot of people just try to go for that meeting CTA, but it doesn't always hit. Why do you it think doesn't. that is? Why? Yeah, yeah. The problem is it's it goes down all the way down. So I think those first three are self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. The bottom one, what I want to spend time on, is the deposits and withdrawals. And the reason why is because that's what you should view your CTA as, right? If your CTA is over a sentence, it's way too long. It shouldn't. It should be very simple, right? Your ask, your ask should be super simple. You're already asking for a reply. Don't ask for them to read, you know, a two sentence long CTA. <laughs> it just it doesn't need to be there. Um, by set your parameters and go for interest, what we mean for that is this deposit and withdrawal system. And so, I'm not going to take Adrian out to dinner and expect him to buy the dinner because I asked for him to go to dinner with me, right? I'm going to pay for dinner. And I'm not expecting for Adrian to pay for me at the next time we go or anything like that. I'm genuinely doing it. I'm making a deposit for Adrian because I care about him. I care about this relationship. I care about forming a bond, right? And so what ends up happening, it's kind of the power of reciprocity. And so there you go. Look at how we jinxed <laughs> each other. So it's like, it, it is true. It is the rule of reciprocity. It's, it's eventually those good deeds come back. They really do. But don't do it because you expect them to come back because then they never will, right? People can read that. Do it because you're a genuine good human and you care about others. Leave deposits and then eventually you'll get one back, right? But keep letting them make withdrawals and eventually it'll come back. 
That is great advice. The rule of reciprocity, guys. Write that down. Look it up. Study it. It is super important. So I'm seeing that our audience, the reply rate is around zero to three percent, right? Fifty-seven percent, four to seven percent. Twenty-seven percent of our audience has that, and about nine percent has that ten plus. Do you think asking for interest could improve that reply rate for our audience? Yeah, I bet if I was to look at the zero to three percent emails. Um, I would probably see three common trends. One, they're probably longer, right? They probably they're probably pretty long. They're probably about a hundred plus words. They're probably pretty vague. And when I mean vague, I mean in the sense of it's just more about a general problem set uh, mm. and possibly how they could solve it. <clears throat> um, so more like you know the I or the me, not the you. And then the third one is probably the CTAs. The, the CTAs are probably not like you know how is this affecting you? Or, you know, would you be interested in this? Or like, would you be interested in solving this? Um, and I guess a bonus one is they probably look bad on a mobile phone. And mm-hmm. so uh, 80% of buyers, 80% of prospects are opening up their emails on their phone. We're always on the go. I mean, I have mine right next to me. It's off because we're in a webinar. But like, at the end of the day, all the people probably viewing this have their phone right next to them. If not, they're probably on it. And so Make sure yourself looks good on a mobile phone. What that means is like, you know, put spacing between your lines. Don't have this big bulky paragraph, things like that. All right. Now we're about to go to C- to our Q&A. I almost said CTA. <laughs> we're going to go <laughs> to is. our that Q&A. That is a call to action, right? <laughs> Ask questions. Very, very shortly. Guys, be sure to put in your questions into the Q&A so I can answer a few right before the end of this show. Now, I actually see that our audience wants to know, like, do you view the email more as I'm just trying to get a message or is it like you want to make it a story? What do you think? No, I want to make it a story. I see. I want to, I want them to, I want, okay. I've seen a lot of cadences, a lot of sequences, right? And the problem with sequences that I see is one, follow-ups don't add value. Mm. Two, their story is all over the place, mm. all over the place. Mm-hmm. Now, it's one thing to assume your prospect never saw the first message or they never got the cold call or they've never read the voicemail or they never read the LinkedIn message. So if that's true, you should always continue to add value. But what I mean by it's all over the place is if you're going to add value, make sure they can tell a human wrote this. You're using your voice. It looks the same. It feels the same, right? If if a good example of this is, is my if my best friend texted me, right? He texts me every day. But if tomorrow my best friend texts me and he starts putting a period at the end of every sentence, I'm going to ask him what's wrong because I can see there's a change, right? Mm. And so if you talk to somebody the same way and you use the same tones, and you try to get everything across in the same way, it almost feels like they know you already, right? It feels like when you talk to them, it's going to be, it's, it's there. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so um, I think that's just kind of the best way to explain it is like when you're looking through your sequences, if your first email is like five sentences, it's custom, it's perfect. And then every follow-up after that is like automated of, you know, could I get your two cents? Do you like this? Uh, what do you think about that? It's just going to be, okay, this, this person doesn't care. Right. <laughs> you cared about it the first time, but you didn't care after that. 
I see. So you want to make it a story, even in your follow-up, your whole sequence, you want to make it a story that they immerses them. So we have a bit of time here for a quick Q&A. Before we get into it, though, where can the people find you? Yeah. So um, LinkedIn, I don't have my link for LinkedIn. I don't know if you guys do. (laughs) Uh, I don't have any other social media accounts. I mean, they're probably still out there, but I don't use them. Um, So yeah, I mean, LinkedIn's the best way to follow me um, or ask me questions pretty responsive on there. I try to be at least, and then email. You can always email me um, if you have questions or whatnot. All right. So we have time here for a question on the Q&A. Larry asks, do you find double spacing body of email gets more replies? Yep. Yep. hundred times out of hundred times. Why? Because it's better to, better to view on a mobile phone and it's easier on the eyes. Nobody likes to read paragraphs. They turn you off, right? You open it up. It's kind of like a cold call. If they just started screaming at you, uh, imagine that's kind of what a paragraph looks like on a cold email. It just kind of wow. screams at you. <laughs> Makes sense, especially on mobile too. It'll all get clumped up and it just looks like a massive text. So yeah, good to know. Hope asks, what is your favorite sign-off? I think she means CTA as well. Yeah, my favorite CTA, right? Uh, it, it really does depend because I, 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 I would be pressed if you went through all my emails that I've sent ever to, you'd be pressed to find probably the same email twice. Um. And I think my favorite CTA is probably like, is it worth exploring X? I like Mm. to say that. Is it worth exploring something? And the reason why I do that is because humans by nature are just, and by instinct are really curious souls. They're really curious humans. They're, you know, curious by nature is how we're built. And so when I ask somebody, you know, is it worth your time to explore something like this? I'm at least being generous with their time, but I'm also trying to, you know, pique some more of their curiosity. And then typically what I get back is, yes, it's worth exploring because. And that gives me ammunition when I ask for the meeting. Fantastic. Now, if you had to sum up everything we spoke about today, what could you tell our audience? Be kind to yourself. It's not easy, right? Um, and you saw it there. It's, you, you have to be kind to yourself. You, if greatness was so easily replicated, nobody would ever be great. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's it's like zero to three percent reply rates. You can fix that. You can be. And for all the people out there who are like my manager says, activity, activity, activity. Um, there's a hope, right? Uh, <laughs> you can you can you can hit those activity metrics. But you know, I was pressed to do activity as well. I just was like, you know what? I'm going to showcase personalization and relevancy will win. And when I showcase that, uh, the entire company switched that way, right? <laughs> so. You, you can do it, but be kind to yourself. It's it's not easy, right? We get told no more than anybody. Okay. Well, you heard the man. Be kind to yourself. And of course, if you have anything you want to reach out to us about, please do. You can find us at Sell Better by JB Sales on LinkedIn. And we will catch you guys on the next one. Peace yep. out.